The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Valerie, her guests, and callers. Now here's your host, Valerie Kirkgaard. I am your host. I am here. I'm just delighted to be here. You're listening to Waking Up in America, dynamic radio dialogues on issues that matter. Hey, we're ending our 22nd year and headed for our 23rd year. How about that? That's great. Impressive, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was kind of astounded myself. Uh, if you want to ask a question while we're on the air, you can send me an email at val at wakingupinamerica.com, just like Tim Jack Mizell just did. Okay? So val at wakingupinamerica.com. That's where you send the email. Um, so to get things started off, let's remember what our forefathers gave us. They gave us the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And I'm Dr. Val Kirkgaard, and in 1984 I carried the Olympic torch. And once you do that, things change. Sidious Altius Fortius, that's what it says on the torch. Higher, stronger, swifter, swifter, higher, stronger. Reaching for what your possibility and capabilities are. And today I invite you to light your torch and join the standards held forth by this all bearers of this 2,000-year-old flame. Our guests reflect these values and come from all fields, from Congressman Dennis Kucinich to Senator Alan Cranston to John Denver to Willie Nelson to internationally known nutritionist J.J. Virgin to Taekwondo champion Mary Louise Zeller, Wayne Dyer, and to the very solar Mr. Larry Hagman and, by goodness, Secretary of the New Republic, Tim Turner. Uh, I'm joined today, as uh, I always am on the first Wednesday of the month by my dear friend and um, courageous, my dear courageous friend, Debbie Ringchop. We call ourselves the Doctors for Money because we are sick and tired of um, people having their money stolen, and we've found out things that we can do about that, and that's the purpose of today's show. Bob Costa of the Home Shopping Network says we're doing radio, which will change the world. Uh, let our friends know, your friends know about us and visit our site and sign up for our newsletter. And if you hear a telephone ringing, a dog barking, or an angel singing, know that we call in from our homes and offices all over the United States to cause this program. Today we're on the air with Larry Hagman, Tim Turner, and Dr. for Money, Debbie Ringchop. And I kind of, I want it. We were having a little conversation before the show began, and I always knew that the Dallas is bad boy. He doesn't think he's a bad boy. He thinks he was just a good businessman. No, uh, I didn't say that. I said Texas businessman. Oh, God. Well, that's the difference. I, absolutely. That's totally the difference. Larry, you astounded me today when you said the episode where um, Jr. was shot, mm. you think, drew over 400 million viewers? Well over. That's astounding. Does that glow still keep you warm? Oh, when I go to bed at night, I don't use bed clothes. 
<laughs> when you visit countries, are people still watching reruns of of Dallas, or do you, or are they still looking at you as Jr.? Do you still receive awards? As, oh as yeah, many people look at me as Jr. That's okay. I don't mind that. I mean, it keeps my name in the news, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, well, I know another thing that keeps your name in the news is the fact that you work with the well, it's with kidney transplants. Uh, kidney and transplant and liver, any kind of transplant. So there's so there's transplant Olympics. Uh, yes, uh, it's going to be this year, or I mean next year, uh, 2010. Yeah, tell our listeners just a little bit about that. Uh, well, it was it's, uh, we compete in all kinds of sports. Um, I don't. I give medals. That's what I do. You do. You hand out the medals. Yes, and uh, you know to show that there is an active life after transplantation, and uh, uh, that uh, people should be aware that uh, they may need a, a liver or a kidney or a heart or a couple of lungs. In their lives, and why not? If they get through life and die, why not leave it? Leave those those uh, livers and kidneys and so forth to to uh, the rest of the world, because one person could save seven lives. Now, oh, seven lives. So when you do that, actually, you do that through your uh, marking on your driver's license. Well, right? in some states, yes. Uh-huh. What about the other states? Well, they can join the uh, the, the uh, American kidneys as the kidney. They they uh, it's it's just a. a they do the best job, I think, of advertising for this, and so they, they, the kidney association. Yeah, uh, the National Kidney uh, Fund. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's really important to know. Um, also, we have on the air with us today Tim Turner, and Tim Turner, I introduced you as the new Secretary of the New Republic. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, also, as a uniform commercial code expert, specializing well, in the negative. I know negative a little bit about it, Nick Powell. You know a little, a little bit, bit about you know enough to be dangerous, man. Well, that's what these judges think. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Listen, I know how you can get Jr.'s attention. I know how you can do that. Okay. You can tell him about your well. First of all, dear audience, what we're talking about today is another facet of the, the maritime uh, maritime law, and um, I promise people that they'll have this uh, opportunity to access us on the. First Wednesday of each month. Also, we've actually got the links on the website fixed. So for those of you who were trying to archive last week, what happens is we our show is live recorded at noon, okay, which is it is right now, and then it takes three hours for it to get into the archives. So we, sh- if you go to the archives and see that the show is three o'clock, that's when the archive show is there. The actual recording and live playing of the show um, on the global internet is at. 12 noon California time. So that should help you out and clarify um, clarify some things for you there. Now, Tim, when did you get into maritime law? Val, I've been playing with it, I guess, since the early, mid-90s. Um, really got serious about it about four or five years ago when I found uh, some secrets that... Uh, they're not really secret. They're right in front of us, but uh, they were not ever used. And most most uh, courts and attorneys, lawyers don't know anything about it. And we discovered that in 1966 that under Title 28 of the United States Code, under Rule 1, they merged ag- admiralty along with uh, common law and equity law, which is the law of choice in today's courts. But how can they do that when maritime actually supersedes equity law? Well, <laughs> yeah, it does. It does, but uh, it's two different law forms. 
equity law was originally on the land and and as common law was and maritime law was on the the law of the sea but in 1966 they merged the two and they brought admiralty on land and in doing so they the courts probably made an error and they did probably didn't well, realize they just only regret well I, it, right now they do they they are beginning to regret it because now they realize that we've discovered the power of it and, uh, and so, so now tell our listeners, and Larry, too, and Deb, if you want to jump in here anywhere, please feel free. She's actually actively engaged in all of this. What is yes. the difference between equity and maritime law? Well, basically, equity law is like smoke and mirrors. And it is whatever the judge wants it to say. It has no solid form. Uh, the judge can invoke judicial notice and just about come up with any decision if he can find some kind of precedent case that has a few elements of your case, although it might not be all that close, he'll he'll invoke judicial notice and he'll apply that precedent case to to meet his agenda and get the outcome that he's trying to do. So um, that that's the way equity works. It's a judicial decision. Basically, the judge judge makes up the law in the court. Basically, he uses the precedent. You know, he can use a precedent case anywhere he needs. He can find it. He'll use can it. He and make they do that often. Yeah, can he, Larry? Go ahead now. Can he make a precedent? That's what I'm saying. Uh, I mean, usually, they won't make a precedent. They'll use one that's already established, and they've got thousands and well, hundreds of thousands of case oh. cases in uh, the different books they have. Uh, the Corpus Juris Secundum and many of the law books they have have just references. And now, of course, it's on electronic format, so they can just do a word search and come up with what they want. And so, and so they can make make judicial notice fit about any agenda that they have. What does that and, mean? Well, it means basically the judges are making law from the bench, which is illegal. They're not <laughs> they're not allowed to do that. But that's what's been going on for many years in America. Uh-huh. And you know, it's it's they have an agenda. The agenda is communism in America. In fact, I can produ- produce the congressional documents from 1950 when it says the American Bar Association is the most communist organization in America. And that was read in Congress. Well, why don't they get rid of them? Well, that's a good question. That's what we're trying to do, Larry. Get rid of lawyers? Well, we're trying to we're trying to get rid of the bad lawyers. They're good lawyers. Well, there's some like something right up my my alley, that's for well, sure. Well, uh, I'm sure you've had your experience with them. Well, my my grandfather, my father, and my brother were all lawyers. Yeah. Well, and there were some I good escaped, lawyers. I escaped them. <laughs> you were promoted. Yeah, I was promoted exactly. <laughs> yeah, and and we I have some very good attorney and judges that are friends of mine, but most of them don't care for me much because I use the law and they don't like the law. They like to they like to they like to legislate from the bench for the most part. That's so let me ask you a question about that. <clears throat> Do does when they when the when the state attorney, when the state lawyers legislate from the bench, do they have to? Does federal law precede state law? Yes, it does. Under so the doctrine ignore, of preemption, yes, it does. How can they ignore federal law when they come down with decisions then? Because they don't have people like me saying no. Oh, yeah, they don't. They, what happens is they they do it on our consent. We we consent to uh, give them permission to do it because we don't say no. And uh, well, when that's I was how in court, operate. when yeah. I was in court, 
I said to the judge, I said, there is a federal statute that says that you need to provide a wet signature on this contract. Right, proof of claim. You need, yeah. And he said, and I said, and I would appreciate it if you would accept that. And he said, I don't have to, and I won't. <laughs> well, now, that kind of boils the valley or whatever you're doing. So this is perfect grounds for a negative averment, right? Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't miss that opportunity. <laughs> I thought so. So at one point you had suggested that one not put a negative averment on a judge, or you put the negative averment on the judge, but you don't hold them liable for claim. Well, what I do is is I put the I put the negative averment on the judge, but I don't put him on the lien, and but I do lien the court on his behalf. And this is what and I thought uh, Jr. would like to hear about. Mm-hmm. I have the foggiest idea what you're talking about. Well, you're about to find out. You might have Jr., but you got Larry Hagman on the phone, and he doesn't know nothing about this. Well, I know. Uh, that's why I knew you'd be such well, a perfect straight company, man. Larry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> okay. So tell them about what happens when the court doesn't follow the rules and what one can do with you Uniform Commercial Code when one... And the judges and the courts and the attorneys do not follow the rules. Right. Well, first of all, in Title 28 of the United States Code, which are known as the Supplemental Rules of Ad- Supplemental Rules of Admiralty, we we are put into Admiralty jurisdiction in all the courts, and all of the cases are there are no such thing really as criminal cases. They're all civil because they're all commercial. It's all about money, all about revenue. It has nothing to do with the crime you committed. And for instance, if you murder somebody, the only reason that it's illegal is because you interrupted their commerce and cost the state money. And that's the way they look at it. It has nothing to do with that you took the man's life. It has to do with you interrupted his commerce. And so the crime is really a commercial crime, and it is uh, it is given what is known as a penal sum. Now, the penal sum has to be satisfied in a number of ways you can do that. Now the uh, so we're in in commerce, so the UCC applies. Going back to the went around the corner to explain that everybody needs to understand that the UCC applies because we're in commerce. The Uniform Commercial Code was written for bankruptcy, and the United States has been in bankruptcy since 1791, <laughs> and we've not gotten out of bankruptcy since 1791. And the latest one was 2001. We've been bankrupt uh, four times. Doesn't it have to do with 70 years or something? Yes, you have 70 years uh, for bankruptcy, and then if it's not satisfied, it has to go through a reorganization. And the, the first bankruptcy, of course, was in 1791. France had financed the Revolutionary War, and we were created in bankruptcy, and we owed the farm to France. The next bankruptcy was during the Civil War in uh, 1861, which happened just coincided with 70-year period. The Civil War, everybody was taught it was about slavery because that was a feel-good story. The truth is it was about commerce. The uh, southern states uh, were, they, the federal government requested that the southern states allow them to mortgage their public lands, and they said no, and so Lincoln sent the federal troops down and took the land and mortgaged it and reorganized. And Then we had uh, the 1931, when the Great Depression, Banks collapsed, collapsed in 29, and and the years 30, 31 through 38, well, mostly 33 through, through 38 under the Roosevelt administration, 
we were brought into a total socialist system of government called a democracy in this country. And uh, since that time, we have been rule- working w- through the rules of the Communist Manifesto. Every single plank of the Communist Manifesto is in is in practice in our country and has been for a lot longer than most of us have been alive. And so today, all of our courts operate under that UCC and under the bankruptcy as a result of that. Uh, as I said, the last bankruptcy was 2001, and we're out, uh, we're in that reorganization period now, and we will receive a new currency at some point, I think probably very soon. Uh, I expect it to be probably within the next year. I think we will have a new currency. you think the Amero? Uh, don't know if it's going to be the Amero, possibly. Uh, what is that, Amero? What is that? It's the new it's the new currency that will replace the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar is in terrible condition. The U.S. And dollar. What's supposed to happen, Larry, is that um, Calderon of Mexico and I forget who the Canadian prime minister was at the time and Bush all got together and created a currency called the America Mero that was supposed to be used in Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. And the purpose is that it <clears throat> actually the intention is is to take down American lifestyle. That the uh, American lifestyle was like too prosperous, so the purpose of the Amero is to somehow equalize all of that out. And I'm not sure what the progress is. Um, well, it's coming that. soon. Uh, we, we know that the dollar is is in trouble. Uh, China and Russia just opted out of the dollar to go with the uh, the euro uh, in the last few weeks. Well, I heard something really interesting. And they're phasing out the dollar now and going to the euro, and hopefully they'll do it slowly because if they do it quickly, it'll collapse overnight pretty much. Well, one of the things that I heard was, which might stop that collapse, I'm not sure, but I actually heard that what they're going to do is reevaluate and re-energize the, the dinar. And and uh, And <laughs> try, I think the dinar is point zero 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 eight five of a cent, and prior to the... The war, the Gulf War. Dinar. What's the dinar? Dinar is Iraqi it's money. Iraqi currency, yeah. Iraqi oh. currency. That's their national. We need to buy some, Val. I did. Okay. You, you, you I already buy, did. I had Iraqi currency? I had Iraqi currency delivered to my house yesterday. How much? I, listen, I've got about the broke side right now. A hundred So I got 500,000 Iraqi dinars. How much for. is that in America? It, 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 in it was worth $500. <laughs> I bought five hundred dollars worth of Iraqi dinar. Hey, we can pave. Uh, I, I can do the walls with it. I, Absolutely. Listen, I'm telling you, it's the thing to do, and it's pretty money. It's very yeah. pretty money. Oh, money is pretty. Yeah. Yeah. It's real I did pretty. a bathroom in money one time. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's pretty stuff, and I'm putting this out there that the Iraqi dinar is supposed to, and, I, and it made sense when I heard it. That when I heard the rumor, here's what I heard: that um, China and the U.S hold the most dinar. Mm-hmm. And since the dinar was worth, it, before the Gulf War in 1992, one Iraqi dinar was worth three U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay? Now, one Iraqi dinar is worth about a thousandth of a cent. Right. Okay. It's a good time to invest. So, they want to, um, the, the 500,000 Iraqi dinar I bought for $530 could very well go up to a million and a half dollars. Well, how much? I mean, how how big a wad is that? Did they send it? No, they sent. No, they sent them in. No, I, it would have been fun. They they sent me ten twenty five thousand um, dinar notes. Oh, 
Well, if you if you hear they're going to stabilize the Zimbabwe currency, let me know because I've got a one hundred trillion dollar bill from Zimbabwe. <laughs> I like that, but I'm telling you, won't I'm buy a loaf telling of bread now. I'm saying, look, I don't care if you're broke. Throw fifty or a hundred dollars at it. Yeah. Because you're going to lose out on a dinner or a oh, bad sure. something anyway. What's you know? the lowest denomination you can get? Well, the, the, here's the one that I bought from, and I like these guys. It's usacurrencyexchange.com. Uh-huh. What you do is you put place your order. You go down and buy a money order. You fax them a copy of the money order, and they send you the dinar FedEx Express Collect. And you get like 100 dinar notes? I know you can get 10,000. Oh. I know you're. Well, well, I know you're headed to the bathroom. I want, I want I bulk. I want bulk. I want to do another room in beautiful money. Well, I think it'd be great money to do it in. Well, especially I mean, what's the, the Holy Land. What's a, what's a pretty one that's a, that that you could do a room in? I mean, it sounds like a lot cheaper than wallpaper. Hey, <laughs> absolutely, and you know, it, it, it has great potential to it. So well, these what are was just that things. Side? Pardon? I'm sorry. What was that site? It's usacurrencyexchange.com. I figure I don't care how the there's another one that sells it they charge more but they sell like 25,000 for $50 or something like that. This okay. one was a much better deal. Okay. I researched all of them and I like their service. It happened fast. It's good. I feel rich. <laughs> yeah. I've got 500,000 dinar. My dad brought back some money from Belgium after the war, the Second World War, and uh we played poker with it for years. We had Boxes of it. <laughs> I knew I'd hit a nerve with him somewhere. Well, his dad took a tank and burst, burst so it. <laughs> he took a tank and blew this bank open, and that's how he got it. Oh, see, it runs in the family. Yeah. It runs in the family. See, I told you you like him, Tim. Yeah. Oh, uh, Tim, yeah. you were. we mildly interrupted you with a sidetrack of Dinars. Do you Boy, have any idea did. where you were? Well, that was good rabbit trail. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, basically, we were talking about the bankruptcy, and uh, as I said, we are in bankruptcy. That's why the Uniform Commercial Code applies to our laws, even in our courts. And as you're aware, Val, you you know, you've studied under some of the things I've given you, that in 1933 through 38, we changed our monetary system, and gold was removed as the basis of our money. H.R. 192. J.R. 192. And JR, it was good. later coded, codified. Yeah. It was later codified in Title 31 of the United States Code in Public Law 7310. And as a result, uh, we lost our ability to pay debt because there's nothing to pay it with. We don't have any money. That we have debit a system Tell of them debit, the difference and, between debit and gold, gold and silver, and actually having money. Well, the the Constitution or the the laws, the U.S. statutes at large and all define what the uh, what money really is, and and it it defines it as silver and gold. We don't have money today. We have uh, legal tender uh, instead of lawful money, and which is not the same. It, it means it's pretty much just worthless. Basically, the United the U.S. dollar is is worth maybe one quarter of one cent per dollar. Wow. Uh, and, and really, in reality, if you had to go turn it for real money, that's all it would be worth. Or but maybe not even that now. Mm. And uh, so we... The uh, <laughs> dinars are sounding better, aren't they? I know. <laughs> Boy, i got to get a bunch of debt. Yeah, I'm telling you. But anyway, we lost our ability to pay debt 
uh, and so they created a system and, and in the 30s. They also took all of our private properties as well as all of our national parks and public lands and infrastructure and seaports and everything that we have. And the, and the United States government, or United States Corporation, by the way, uh, mortgaged all of that without the consent of the people. And that includes your uh, birth certificate that was created as a title to you. And if you want to learn more about that, go on the, the uh, U.S. Treasury website, go on to the Inspector General's site. They refer to us as human capital. I know. I love it. That's kind of like the, cattle. It's real close to cattle. Well, it's the same thing. They created a title to us, just like they do your automobile or uh, your airplane or whatever you have. And every time you go to take a piece of property, for instance, you go to uh, you go to a car dealership and and you purchase a car, you send in the title to the state, and the state sends you back a certificate of title. The real title they keep, and they bond it, by the way, and they sell the bond off of your property because they own the property. You don't so own it. They have is, the real title. Is there a way people can have cars without registering them? Yes. The yes, that is coming up. We're going to be doing it through the Republic. But you can, um, in some places, you can still get the what is called the Manufacturer's Certificate of Origin, that uh, MCO is the real title to the car, and we send those to the state. When we, even if we pay cash for a car or a truck, a new car or truck, the MCO goes to the state, and they send us back a certificate of title. And then, then we register it with the state, and what we do is we're actually giving it to the state. That's the reason they can require you to have their driver's license and their uh, license plate on your vehicle and confiscate it if you do something they don't like because you're giving them your consent. Now, Debbie, you've been, I've been hearing your chuckling in the background, okay, but I haven't actually heard a peep out of you yet. So is there any peeping you'd like to do at this particular time? <laughs> peep away. There's so many things that we've gone down the, the various trails. I'm just wondering as far as really when we're looking at the 2001 period, that whole um, renegotiation or reorganization of the bankruptcy. So this yes. is going to go on for the next 70 years. Yeah, under mm-hmm. some new look, and right. new currencies are popping up everywhere. We've got mm-hmm. the Amero in the northern United, northern states of uh, North America, kind of like the euro, and mm-hmm. when euro kicked in, other currencies dropped in value to where they're only getting, you know, I think it's like 1 to 6 or 1 to 10 or something like that value. Actually, and we're, it's going to be an uh, exchange of 1 to 12, probably. Yeah, I think it's going to be no no better than 1 to 10. So 1 to 12, that sounds pretty much... So that means buying power is worthless. Yeah. Um, you're not going to be able to get what you got before we convert. Hyperinflation. Well, I'm interested in the fact that they're supposed to be revaluing the dinar because if you take this point zero 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 eight five, and you bring it up to the old standards... That would make China and the United States the richest co- countries in the world because they're the ones that hold it. So I'm not sure why China would give up the U.S. dollar because if the U.S. dollar is multiplied by, you know, maybe a half a million times or something of that nature, mm-hmm. that would then jack up the currency again and let them pay off the wars so they can continue having their wars. No, wouldn't it? says they want to pay off the war. <laughs> You're making a presumption there that you, they want to be get us out of debt, but that's not the case. They prefer the debt. Absolutely. 
They're making huge sums off of the interest of the debt. Just like the courts are all traded out on the market, so I mean they're part of securities. Yeah, all your courts are. Did you know that, Larry? By the way, Larry, did you know that the courts are traded on the in the stock market? What courts? (laughs) All U.S. courts. What? All (laughs) your U.S. courts are corporations for profit. They are traded on the uh, stock market. They have Dunn's numbers. Yes, they're done in Brad Street numbers and created just like everything else, and they make mega bucks off of every action they do. Absolutely. They're they're for-profit corporations. Courts? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I told you he'd be a great straight man. Well, uh, yeah, but straight dumb man. I mean, I don't... (laughs) Do Do they make money through what, fines and stuff like that, or what? Oh, they do a lot more than that. What they do is, remember I mentioned the penal sum that they create when you commit a crime? There is a, a there is a financial value assessed to each crime. Oh, my God. Okay. And I talked to a federal judge about this, and we don't have I don't have the exact numbers, but this is the rule of thumb he said they used. And he said that on a state case that they, they use a rule of thumb of $4 million per count, and in a federal case, $6 million per count. So if if you got like four counts against you in a state case, that's twenty four million dollars. And what they do is they write a Miller Act bond. A Norac. Probably. I, I, I take that back. I don't believe the. I believe they use the GSA bond fourteen sixteen fourteen eighteen. Probably not. Tell him what Act. a GSA bond is. Uh, General Services Administration bonds are the bonds that we use to access those accounts that we have. Um, to, to do things. Uh, that's one of the things. We, we don't want to get into that for the purposes of this show. That's too deep. Okay. Well, he doesn't um, know, though, that we have special accounts that we are available to us. Yeah, well, that's where oh, we yes. you know, yes. Oh, every every American is a billionaire. Oh. Yeah, that, you know, all this hoopla about what's going on with the, the, us being broke is all, all a bunch of hoopla. We just had an accounting done, or a gentleman did, uh, and gave us the information. There's uh, $83 trillion in actual funds in America and through what they call the Comprehensive Annual Financial Report Fund. Uh, they're talking about all the cities are broke and they're uh, bankrupt and all this uh-huh. kind of stuff, but they got $83 trillion you know, in a fund. They're, they're called layered trusts that have been set up since the 1930s. And is anybody using it? Or? Well, the Obama administration honestly is trying to steal it right now, I think. Uh-huh. But, uh they're trying to it. Yeah, everybody else has tried to get it, and maybe and he he may be successful. Who knows? But anyway, the uh, we think they're trying to transfer it out to other 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 funds, probably right now. But the bottom line is, and there's also the Leo Wanta money in Europe that we know there's at least twenty seven and a half trillion dollars there. What was that money again? Leo Wanta. Leo Wanta. Yes. Leo Wanta. Wanta Bell wanted too. Is that a guy. Yeah. Yeah, well, he worked for President Reagan back back in the eighties, seventies, and eighties, and uh, he uh, was a CIA. He actually was what what they refer to as an economic hitman, and his job was him and his team were to bring down the economy of the Soviet Union, and they did by setting up some uh, businesses in Europe, and they used they, they stockpiled. Mass amounts of uh, of Russian currency, and then dumped it on the market all at one time, and collapsed the Russian ruble. And uh, in the in the process, they made great sums of money. They made 
Like I said, it's $27.5 trillion of it over there in, in European banks now. Well, that was yesterday. If it's gaining interest, it's probably... Well, yeah. Well, that's actually an old figure. That figure's a year yeah. old, probably. So it's probably but, into the 30 or 40 trillions by it now. It could very well be, yeah. Well, the bottom line is, is that the American people are very wealthy. It's just been hidden from them for a long time, for a long time. During the 30s, the Supreme Court told Congress, you know, you you financed the private property of these people and the public property that belong to the American people. And in order to do that without committing a crime, you're going to have to give them a remedy. And the remedy that Congress gave the people was the ability to discharge all of their debts with bonded, bonded promissory notes. i got to interrupt here. Okay. We were supposed to do a commercial like, <laughs> like five minutes ago. So we're going to bring the time of the wine, and we're going to come back, and you're going to hear the rest of. Um, but I got five of, minutes off here. Yeah. No. No, you got probably about two and a half minutes All off right. if you I have to do something really fast. Okay. Okay. So I'll, I'll take off. it away, Diamond Alignment. We'll be I'm, back with right. Tim Turner, Larry Hagman, and Doctor for Money, Debbie Ringchoff. This is Val Kirkgaard here. live in a world that is more alive with possibility than ever before in history. Yet it is easy to get lost in the confusion and chaos of such an accelerated world. How do we stay connected and aligned with the unlimited potential that lies within us and soar in these exciting yet challenging times? Diamond Alignment, a sacred technology for the 21st century, offers high-speed connection and alignment with this divine power within, both convenient and profound. The six-minute multi-sensory diamond experience, delivered via the Internet, clears your mind, relaxes your body, and creates inner peace no matter what is going on around you. The Diamond Alignment Experience effortlessly keeps you charged with joy and equanimity and greater focus and clarity throughout your day. When you experience the expansive energy of Diamond Alignment, you activate the unlimited wealth and potential Hey there, Diamond Alignment. Jacqueline Joy, thank you for creating that. Uh, many of the listening audience report that they feel more relaxed after they've heard that, and I certainly know that it's true. And for a very reasonable amount, um, you can actually get access to this um, on a 24-hour-a-day basis. So go to our website at wakingupinamerica.com, and as you go down towards the bottom of the page, you'll actually see the Diamond Alignment insignia there. Give a click and... Uh, Whisk yourself away to the Diamond Alignment Experience Plus. Um, find out how you can get it for yourself. You're going to find other things on the um, website. You're going to find out how to help save parts of the rainforest. You're going to find out um, a cute little girl down there is talking about breast cancer. You can go down and you can find President Obama walking on water with his dog. It's a, it's a good picture. <laughs> There's a lot of cool stuff on the site, so... Visit wakingupinamerica.com and check it out, and you'll 
you can email us at val at wakingupinamerica.com and we're we're uh we've got past shows on there that you can actually hook on the arch- click onto the archives and it whisks you right over to Motivox. So we've got the last five years of Waking Up in America available for you to download and we invite you to share those downloads and spread it around. We're we're here about dialogues, we're here about you getting new information and um like to have you, if you've had enough and you want to run away for a week or two, I suggest that you hop off to Mexico and have fun down there. You can go to Roberto's Bungalows. And um, Roberto's Bungalows, what can I tell you? They're a very special place. Steve and Diana have them. They're about a block and a half from the beach in San Pancho. Their telephone number is 971-239-4120. Tell them that Val sent you and they'll give you a discount. And Mexico is an incredibly beautiful place to be. San Pancho is 45 minutes north of Puerto Vallarta with my foot on the gas pedal. And um, it's one of my favorite places on Earth, so I really invite you to check this place out. Also, there's a mailing list of about 100,000 really cool people people that I've done business with for years that I enjoy who they are, and I've gotten to that through Stardust. Their telephone number is 828-665-0411. That's Stardust at 828-665-0411. Give Ra a call, and um, he'll give you a good price. Tell him that Bell sent you. And um, they're easy people. <laughs> They've got a lot of great personality to them. So we're on the air with Tim Turner, Larry Hagman, the evil. I'm sorry, Larry, I thought you were evil. I know you think you were just a good tech <clears throat> businessman, but yeah. I was, a, <laughs> was astounded at the at the terrible things that you did to your friends and family, but I... They all deserved it. Okay, I'm not going <laughs> to quibble with that at all. Doctor for Money, Debbie Ringtop, thank you for your chuckling and your good comments here. And uh, Tim, I interrupted you in the middle of something. Would you like to hop back on the subject? Well, we were discussing the uh, courts, I believe, when we left uh-huh. off, um, yeah. and about how they are uh, private corporations, and they're traded on the stock market. They have a, uh, a Dunn's number, actually, and how that uh, all of the, the the penal sums are bonded and traded, and uh, I think that's where we left off. Yeah, those penal sums that they, when you said they apply, you know, $6 million for this and $1 million for that. Are those taken from our Social Security accounts, uh, birth funds? Yes, they're back. I'm not sure they're taken from the funds. They're actually backed by the funds. The bonds are, and that's where they get their backing, and then they invest the bonds, and then, they, of course, they reap the returns. But the uh, but Congress uh, realized that uh, the Supreme Court actually stepped in and told them, and said, listen, you have to give these folks a remedy. Mm. And if you don't give them a remedy for what you did because you didn't do it with their consent, because in our system of government, if you'll read the Declaration of Independence, it says Congress governs at the consent of the people. Oh. And so as a result of doing this without our consent, they had a problem. It'd be called fraud, wouldn't it? Yeah, treason. Or larceny or treason. Possibly treason, maybe. But anyway, so what they did, and they corrected the problem when they gave us a a, uh, remedy. And as I said, the remedy was for us to be able to discharge net debts. And uh, they said we could do it with bonds. They uh, declared that we're all private bankers, 
and we can discharge our debts. Well, they just conveniently didn't tell the people. You know, nobody told anybody. And so for years, this thing just laid there, and only the few that were in the note used it. And the American people never knew that they, when they got a mortgage, that within 72 hours of that, the time they signed the note, that it was discharged through their account. Well, I heard something really told. interesting about that, Tim. I heard that mm-hmm. when you first sign, when the first signature that you write mm-hmm. is the one that pays off the mortgage. Yes, it does. And then the second signature you write actually makes you a tenant and gives <laughs> the right yeah. to your property it to does. the bank. So if we stopped at the first signature, we would have owned our property outright, right? Possibly. That's something we probably need to do some research on. But, yeah, I've heard that as well. Um, and I, I do under, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, they do. Basically, the bank is a transfer agent is what they refer to in law. And what they do is they take the property from the county, bring it, you sign for it, it's transferred back to the county as soon as you sign the second signature, as you said, and you become a tenant. And uh, that's how the county always owns the property in, in, anyway. Well, I got because, some paperwork this week that actually says I can change the beneficiary on my property. Well, it does. Uh, does that work? I guess he probably could. I suppose. I mean, we. Hey, I thought I'd give it a try. Who would have more? Who would have more authority to do that than us? Since we're paying the bills. Well, one of the things that was suggested to me was that I I change the beneficiary on my property and then send them a series of questions that they can't answer, and then perhaps it all disappears. But at the same time, I heard somewhere, and I'm not sure exactly where I heard this, it could have even been from you, that we don't ever even own our property if we pay cash for it. No, you don't. Could you explain that a little bit more? Well, it's like I was was talking about the, the bank is the transfer agent. Or the 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 company, the title company, whoever you use, the real estate agent, whoever it is that does the process for you, they're no more than transfer agents. They just take it from the county, bring it to you, and then you give it back right back to the county. So the county really owns the property. If you don't believe that, stop paying your taxes <laughs> and see who see what happens. Yeah, they claim it and sell it. They will. They'll take your property because it's not your property. You're a tenant on the land, and it says right that in. In your paperwork, it says that. But I can actually take a bonded promissory note and pay my property taxes, right? Absolutely. Will they accept it? If they don't, we'll make them wish they had. Okay, now, this is the part I wanted you to hear, too. And when he says, we'll make them wish we had, will you tell him what you've done with an Alabama court? Well, right now, I have a... uh... I have a federal judge, 11 attorneys, a bank, and a communications company on a lien, a maritime lien right now, for $26.8 billion. Wow. And we're going for collections on that here now. Uh, got several now, debt collectors Brad, across the you? country. Will had several debt collectors contact me. I'm sorry? Will Dunn and Bradstreet help you, or are you going to have the IRS? Well, we're working on that. Uh, they, the, the the guys we talked to with, with DNB decided they kind of got cold feet because of the numbers and because of who we were going after. <laughs> but we got some collectors coming on board that will. Um, I've got uh, some very powerful collectors that are really or really interested in in a number of these liens. We've got all we've got a number of these, as you know across the country. I just have one. So why don't you and, tell Larry how much it's gathering in interest a week? Uh, it's 1.5% per month. I forget exactly. I think it was like uh, 
four hundred million a month, I believe it was, in interest alone. God, that sounds like my residuals. <laughs> yeah. Well, you see, you understand all that big finance. Yeah, I'm sure. Just no poor, I'm just no poor boy from Alabama, country boy. Yeah, you sound like a poor boy. Right. He, he, <laughs> by the way, he says he only started maritime law a little while ago, but the truth of the matter is the guy was a fisherman first. Huh. And if that isn't oh, yeah. close to maritime well, that law. that gives him the gravitas. <clears throat> I think yeah, so, right. too. Absolutely. Gives also his background in maritime law, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Save the whales. So, Debbie, you got any comments in here? Absolutely. Well, I, did, I know we when we first started, we started off with equity on the land, uh, was on the land, and then maritime was on the sea. We never really explained more about the maritime part of that. And I was just wondering if Tim could kind of expand on what is it that's maritime that's different from the equity side? Because we've... Oh, that's a, oh that's we, a did, we didn't thing. mention the part about um, we didn't mention that well you did mention that um, equity was for profit, but we didn't mention that maritime you had to have a damaged party. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, yeah, in equity law the the state is the damaged party and uh, doesn't have to even be any damage occurred uh, because they work under what what is known as legal law. In maritime law, it, it is lawful law. Uh, we call it natural law or God's law. It goes back to the con- common sense, actually. <laughs> you know, if it causes you damage, I owe you a claim. And you have the right to a counterclaim as a result. And uh, and it requires there is a damaged party. Uh, so, and, But the, the beauty of admiralty is that con- the contract is the law. You know, the judge, the judge in equity law is like the Wizard of Oz up there. He can hide behind the curtain, use a smoking... Uh, all of his noises and all of the sounds and stuff to try to scare you. And he can he can appear to be one thing when actually he's nothing. And in admiralty law, he loses all that. He is exposed for who he really is. And like that's the why they Bond. hate for us to come that, into that. Um, because then we take over the court, basically, is what happens, and, uh, and make him abide by the real law. Now, I've been hearing a lot of talk lately about people saying that they are that they're writing accepted for value on their mm-hmm. um, on their public bills, mm-hmm. and there's something else that gets added to that, but I can't think what it is. Yeah. Um, well, accepted for value, returned for for settlement discharge. Yes. No, that is the that's what is known as a banker's acceptance, and uh, we can do that uh, to discharge a debt because that is the remedy Congress gave us. But the American people don't know anything about it, but they're learning. They're coming along with it. They're beginning to catch on. And, so how uh, could they, if we have a listener listening right now, how would they, what would they do with accepted for value return for um, settlement discharge? Where would they write that? They, they would put that on the front and back of any, any uh, presentment. I call them presents, as you know. <laughs> you know um, any bill or statement or present that they send you, you can do that on it and, and send it back in to the CFO of the company, and you do it he's on the, bound by law to discharge. So you, you do have it on the coupon part of it, like the tear off, or you do it on the body. Of the, I do it on the uh, if it, there's a coupon, I do it on the body of the letter, the upper part if it's a tear off coupon, and I do it on the back of the coupon. So upper part and then the back. That's the way I do it. So you leave them as connected. Yeah, sure. Okay, so you connect it. I send them in connected. Okay, you send them in connected. Do you, um, do you have to write it at an angle or in any color ink? Well, you're supposed to do it at a 45 degree angle uh, counterclockwise, a slanted counterclockwise, but I don't know that that's absolutely necessary. That's just a style 
that bankers have created. And uh, so, so you, we just follow form with what they started. Yeah. We might as well. So you send this to the CEO? CFO. CFO. Oh, CFO. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that we... Do you use $21 when you send it? I do. Okay. I'm trying to think of the things we're not saying that, you know, I've come across. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you tell them the reason for $21 postage? Uh, sure. I actually, registered mail with, and $21 of postage brings your document in, in, into international law instead of uh, uh, U.S. law, basically, it, under the UPU. And uh, also, the $21 guarantees you a right to a trial by jury of your peers. So let's say, for instance, that you're doing a discharge on a, a mortgage in, a, uh, in your local town, and uh, they do a foreclosure action on you, maybe, and there, and there are millions of those going on right now. And you did the the bonded promissory note or the A for V, and you sent it this way through to the bank, through the registered mail and twenty one dollars in stamps. You just uh, pretty much tied a local county judge's hands because he can't re- legally rule on that because it's out of his jurisdiction. Puts it under the actually under the jurisdiction of. Uh, of the United States Post Office, which is heads, headquartered in Bern, Switzerland. I love it when you ever you say that. So when we're doing a bonded promissory note, you actually have to be what's called a secure party creditor. And with the exception of you, Larry, um, Tim, and Debbie and I are secure party creditors, so we can actually write the the bonded promissory notes and send them in. Absolutely. Um, here's the deal here. But anybody can write accepted for value, right? Yes, they can. They don't have to be a secured partner to do that. However, I do do uh, recommend that everyone becomes a secured party creditor no, because I get right it. now they're debt debtors, no more than slaves on the plantation. I felt like that on occasion. Listen, well, Larry. Well, we actually we are until we change our status, and that's one of the biggest things I teach is about change of your status because we are supposed to be creditors, not debtors. If you look on a, if you look on Larry, when you get a chance, if you look on a, one of the new ten dollar bills, mm-hmm. just take it out and look at it. And I know you probably don't carry anything that small, but you know, if you ever see anybody that has play one, poker. wait a minute, I got one right here. Now. Okay, just take it out, look at it. I will show you something. Not one of the Hagman bills, okay? What okay. is that? Yeah. Now, in accounting, the left side of the ledger is debt, right? Uh, I, what's that? This note is legal tender. Blah blah blah. Okay. Okay. Well, you, okay. You look at the face of the note on the left side of the le- of, of the, the the bill. What do you see? There's a symbol in black. DB four eight one zero four. Blah blah blah. <laughs> no, no, no. It says Federal Reserve System. It does. Yes. It oh does. yeah, yeah. Federal. Okay. Reserve. Yeah, there's a seal nope. there. It's in black. Okay. Yeah. And that's on the left side of the bill. Now, on the right side of the bill, you'll see something else. There's a green symbol, and it says Department of Treasury on it, 1791, uh, yeah. or 1789, actually. Okay. Isn't yeah. that correct? Uh, I think so. Mine's kind okay. of blurry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Okay. No, it's now, my eyes. Are now, your printing that. press was a little sloppy when you were making your yeah, money. Right. He yeah. prints his own money, by the way, Tim. Okay. Well, that's good. I, I, we need to get to know him, then. You do. Um, <laughs> The uh, now behind that green symbol, you'll see what, uh, 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 in big letters where where you can probably see it. It says, "We the people." We the treasury, something. No, I don't see. It. In big big letters behind that seal. Kind of red. Pinkish. Orangey red. 
Orange. Red? Big. Orange and pink. No. You, if you've got a new ten dollar bill. Oh, oh, wait a minute! I got an old. Well, wait a minute. Maybe it's a new one. How would you know whether one's it's kind of offset? It has a serious number on it. Kind of offset. You could tell because it would pop right out if you had one. Oh yeah, you'd see it. But anyway, on the new ten dollar bill, it says "We the people" behind the green seal. Why doesn't it say "We the people" behind the black seal for the Federal Reserve? I have the foggiest. Oh, I got you now. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you why. Because we the people are the creditors of the nation. We're not the debtors. And when you change, this is an this is an example of the contract. That's what they're showing you. This is the contract. Yeah. They're they're putting it in our face right in front of us, and they're not telling us what it means. You'll also see on the right hand side there's a ten in gold leaf, right? Yeah. On yeah. the right side. Right. It's not on the left side. Why is that? I don't know. Because that's the debt side of the ledger. The right side is the real wealth of the people. Uh-huh. The Federal Reserve represents the debt of the debtors or the slaves. But we, the people, are the creditors of the nation. And what I teach people to do is change their status from the left side of the ledger under the Federal Reserve system to we, the people, on the right side. How do you go about doing that? Well, that's I teach seminars on that. Uh-oh. And uh, you can go to America. <laughs> canbefree.com and learn a little bit about it. But uh, we'll be, I'm sure that uh, Val and I, Debbie, we can get you some information on that. In fact, I'd love to go to a seminar with you on it. You'd, oh, you'd enjoy it immensely. I would really love to have you. America, what? AmericaCanBeFree.com. Okay. And another site that you can go to, uh, that uh, it is a sm- there is a small subscription for this site, but it's some fantastic information. And that's Tad's site called youhavetheright.com. And on youhavetheright.com, they have hours and hours of, uh, of conversations and ans- questions and answers that are actually uh, they're categorized and cataloged where you can go and write to the answer that you want. And it's a great site for people that are trying to learn more about this process. Well, we'd love to have you at a seminar. All right. Uh, no, I, I and bring and bring Jeannie with you. Now. <laughs> yeah, well, I got Jeannie's bottle, but I want to know it doesn't. Smell I'll bring the bottle. Absolutely. I don't know if she'll be in it. She wanders. That's what I well, told, I I told Val when she told me you might be on the show. I said, "Well, tell him I, you know, I'd like to meet him, but I'd really like to meet Jeannie." <laughs> I know that. I know that. So we've only got a few minutes left, and I got a quickie question for you here, <clears throat> Tim. Um, a friend of mine owns a radio station, and um, I owe him some money. And I want to send him a bonded promissory note <laughs> to pay for what I owe him, or to zero balance the books, as you would say. Okay, now is that a private debt? No, it's a it's a public debt. He owns, okay. you know, he's a he's a company. Okay. He's XL Radio Networks. And you've got a you've got a promissory note that you signed to create the debt. Uh, I, I create. Well, I did. I. I Paid, you know, I did radio shows through him, and I owe him money for it. I owe the company money. Okay. Well, I can pay that off with a bonded promissory note, right? As long as it's public debt, yes. Well, that's. Wouldn't you consider that public? Radio is about as public as it gets. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> so here's the deal. I haven't been able to find out how he cashes the note once he's got it. Okay. Well, he he has to have a transfer agent. He has to have a transfer bank. agent. Yeah. And the bank sends it to the Fed back window, uh, the Federal Reserve back window. They have a, a special window they process our notes through. That's called a what? The Fed back window. They'll know what you're talking about. Fed back window? Yes. 
That's We're, a little shady to me. Okay, listen, I think you guys should stick around after the show. I can't. i got to go. Okay, well, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> me too, because I'm fascinating. I know you're fascinating. I, I, I you would I, be. It opens up a whole new hell for me. Oh, I know. It's it really, this program has been brought to you by the Golden well, Heart Foundation in association with Kirkhart Media. That's Hagman in the background. Yeah. Our radio partner is ConingCompany.com, Mona V. Max, GXL, Dr. James Murphy, and Memoriam. Thank you to the team at Voice America and to Ben Meigen for our theme music, Almost Ordinary People. To Larry Hagman, to Tim Turner, and to that always wonderful Debbie Ringchop. You rock. Next week, invite a friend to listen and write us at Val at WakingUpInAmerica.com. And call me or write me, send me an email at Val at WakingUpInAmerica.com. And guess what? I will send you a list of Admiralty links. That's right, where you can find out more information on this. So you go for it. And thanks so much. Wow. Hear the music, feel the dance. Hear the music, feel the dance. Hear the music, feel the Thank you for joining us today for Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. Waking Up in America can be heard live every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Time on voiceamerica.com, and Valerie welcomes all emails at heavenincorporated.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.